The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Welcome to this spooky Halloween edition of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I am your host for this evening, Dr. Steve Welcome as we prepare to watch 2002's The Ring. <laughs> yes, that's right, it's Halloween! Uh, we're doing the Halloween film that you chose and uh, the film that you chose was 2002's The Ring as always we've got someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not I guess who has not seen the film back for a second week running it's Katrina Johnston hello Stephen I feel like I was picked so you don't have to enforce this on your wife Uh, correct Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but also uh, actually I will say Dr. Ellen Sears, who is not a big horror fan, uh, mm. uh, not a big horror back girl fan, is what I almost <laughs> said, not a big horror fan, yes. has seen this film oh. and doesn't mind it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's for her, it's not as bad as The Descent. That, that, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah which enough. is fair enough. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, she's also unavailable this evening. Um, but no, we got you back because uh, we, we had you last week. You were watching uh, the Oscar Wilde biopic yeah. and we thought, what's the natural follow-up to that? And it's, of course... The American remake of Ringu. So, uh, 2002's The Ring, what do you know about it? Um, it has... What's her name? Michelle? Michelle Naomi. Naomi, what's Naomi, yeah. Who was I confusing her with? Michelle... Michelle Watts. No. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer? No, not Michelle. Michelle Gomez. That's the one... She, she was in a relationship with um, Heath Ledger. Oh, Michelle Williams. Yeah. I, was, I think I was confusing her. With I almost her. said Michelle Platini, the former France yeah. international. Uh, but yes. Um, I always mi- yeah. mix up um, Michelle Williams and Adelaide Clemens, who is Australian. Mm. They, look, I don't know if you know those two actresses, but if you look them up on the internet, do this now, folks. They look the Prepare same. Prepare to be flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Isla Fisher and um, Jessica Chastain and... Yeah. Uh, what's Amy her Adams. name? Amy Adams. Yeah, that whole yeah. Yeah. It's or almost like. Mary Kay Olsen and Ashley Olsen. They just look yeah. weirdly the yeah, same. Yeah, it's the odd. same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, know it's, I know it's got her in it. Yep. Um, I under I know the basic premise. There's a video that you're not supposed to watch, but somebody watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like is the exact like opposite of the. <laughs> Of this podcast, yeah, in a way. it is very much the yeah. the, the antithesis yeah. of everything that this podcast is. Um, it's don't watch this, or and, you'll die. And yeah, they've got to they've got to do something to prevent the death of the person who watched it. Yeah, I have seen little bits of the Japanese version mm-hmm. because oh. I remember seeing. I remember it coming on SBS years and years ago, but I never saw. I don't think I saw the end of it, uh, and I didn't see the beginning of it. So, mm. so you saw the middle. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Three quarter, like a quarter of it. Okay. And how are you with horror in general? Um, I don't actively seek it out. I I was trying to think about what is my favorite horror film. And I can't, 
I can't really say that I have one. Mm. Like the horror film, I think I've only watched one on this podcast, mm. which I think was I think it was just Halloween, and I enjoyed that. That was mm. that was a good film. Um, but yeah, it's not something that I actively seek out. Mm. Um, although that being said, that is not to say I don't enjoy horrifying things or experiences mm. and that and not not just in the social sense or awkwardness sense mm. but you know one habit that i got into as a high school kid uh if i had the house to myself for an evening i would decide to stay up till 1am reading ghost stories on the internet ah. and then walk through the darkened house to my bedroom mm, because i'm an idiot <laughs> Excellent. Well, luckily for you and your ghost blogs, uh, mm-hmm. we do have someone who has seen The Ring 2002. Yes. It is Robert Woods. Howdy, Yay! folks. How are you doing, Robert? Yeah, about a seven. Excellent. So, The Ring. Uh, it's the American remake directed by uh, Gore Verbinski. In mm. a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what's The Ring about? It's about a, a videotape mm. that you watch and die seven days later. Cool. Mm. It's like, yeah. So if I'm not around for next week's podcast, yeah, you know why? <laughs> well, true, but I mean, Robert, we I, both watched this film many years ago, and are, and are still around. So I think That's the good. film, we're okay. Mm. I think it's like a transfer well, effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we might be okay. Um, Robert, obviously, uh, you, you do like your horror films. I do, um, and this one in particular. Okay, in what, fact, what this about was, it? this? Was an obsession of oh, really? mine. Mm. Uh, yes, like a big obsession. As in, did it start I watched, with the with the Japanese one or the remake? It started with the remake. Okay. I could not get a hold of the Japanese one. Yeah. Um, but I I got to it afterwards. I watched the the Japanese sequels. I watched the Korean version. Mm. I watched the mini series of the Japanese version. I got the original translation of the novel. I have. There is a lot more media connected to this film than I thought. (laughs) There are 14 films made based on The Ring so far. Based on the concept. In fact, um, in in the Japanese version of the the, the spooky ghost character, Mm. uh, there are a whole bunch of The Ring versus The Grudge, and there's like two 3D versions, and. uh, The Ring versus Mothra, like that kind of thing. There is literally, there is The Ring versus. four other characters one of them has two yeah. versions done like they, i guess you you've got like there's a whole Freddy japanese Kruger multiverse versus... like of like like yeah. this extended universe of japanese ghosts yeah. fighting each other that has become a thing recently mm-hmm. and I mean, i'm here for it <laughs> I, mean, I, get, I guess you get that in um western well american cinema as well because there's like freddy krueger yep. versus predator exactly exactly like <laughs> Alien versus Predator and yeah. oh, the Freddy Alien versus, versus Predator. Betty White Freddy Krueger versus Predator is. That'd I would love to see that, <laughs> and and like who wouldn't want to see that? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was very this this film in particular, very a very formative oh. cinema experience for mm. me. Interesting. Um, we can talk about that now or later. I no, we, we can get onto it. And I presume you're pleased that this one won out in our poll ahead of the film that came second, which was Hocus Pocus. I, I, I mean, I love Hocus Pocus mm. as well, and I have very fond memories of seeing that in mm. the cinema as well. But The Ring, I, I have much stronger feeling okay. feelings for, and um, and Gore Verbinski is one of my favorite directors, and this film 
is responsible for the J-horror boom of the 2000s. Okay. Ah. This is the first one and the one that started it all. And leads to the Grudge remake. And It led to all yeah. of that stuff and none of them have ever toppled Topped. this, in my opinion, mm. have ever equaled this, the excellence of this remake. Okay. I just realised then, that is this film then by long bow here we're talking about tangential mm. is the reason why i did one very unusual thing in terms of my film choices i had friends over and did an asian horror movie night okay i organized this specifically like back in 2007 what did you watch we watched oh my god <sighs> I, I love asian horror mm. i can't because of this film i i know we watched two films but i can't remember both of them i know one was um oh what was the name of it <laughs> It, it was it was a Hong Kong horror film. The Eye? No. It was about a woman who had found like an elixir to a, a, a longevity elixir. And it was something... Dumplings? Dumplings. Yes, that's it. Oh. And I loved it because it's fucking gross. It's brutal. But the sound in it yeah. is amazing because it's, it's all about the chewing and the... The um, sound of slurping dumplings. Wow! And the feature version of that is is based on a short film that was part of a, a trilogy, mm. uh, uh, an anthology film called um, yeah. Three Extremes. And I I prefer the short film version, but the mm. um, yeah the the three directors from that are like my th- three yeah. three favorite Asian film directors. <laughs> it is not surprising that a horror film about dumplings is something that you're excited about, Robert. Oh, given how it, much you love eating dumplings I when we do. I love this. dumps in oh, my mouth. Oh, when you find <laughs> when you find out, I won't I won't give it away, but when you find out What's in the dumplings? Oh, it's you won't, so great. You won't say that. Okay, well, we'll yeah. hold off on uh, so, talking about I won't the say dumpling it on, film. On, uh, on record. We are going to watch The Ring, though. Yes. Uh, I, even though I'm now hungry for dumplings in a weird way. Um, but let's not do that. Let's watch The Ring. So shall we Shall we watch it? Yeah, let's, let's get into it. it. Okay, for those of you listening at home, pop in those VHSs that you have found mysteriously. <laughs> uh, turn on those streaming services and prepare... To be kind and rewind as we watch <laughs> The Ring. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching the 2002 American remake of The Ring. And I'm joined by my special guests, Robert Woods. Yay! And Katrina Johnston. Hello. Katrina, that was your first time watching The Ring. Yes. What did you think? Um, it, it definitely had me very engaged The for most of it. it I, yeah. I'm, I feel like I need to go study it. Mm-hmm to have a proper opinion about it because as both of you were pointing out at at various points during the film there's there's a lot of layers in that and and as rob as you were saying i can't remember if it was earlier on or off podcast off recording Mm. um there's a lot of law behind it and yeah so i'm like there, there is a lot of yeah. law behind it, but also I think it's best to just think of this film as a standalone film yeah. and just take it 
on its own terms. As in the American one? The American yeah. one, the first American one. Mm. And it's best to like ignore the sequels and <laughs> ignore how it relates to the Japanese one. Yeah. You, mm. If you take it just as that this film on its mm. own, I think everything is within this film to provide to answers film, for, yeah. for any questions you, you might mm. have. Yeah. Did you... Because you said you were engaged by it. Yeah. And it, it's always tricky with horror uh, mm. because obviously people like horror and enjoy ho- enjoy horror for different reasons. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just started choking on a giant piece of string with a <laughs> plug on the end of it or something. I, just... <laughs> it, when I first saw that bit, I was like, is that a fake nipple? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, why is there a piece of string attached to a fake nipple? Um, but but did you sense. did you enjoy this film, I guess? Yeah, I think I did. Mm. I found it intriguing. Um, I I was sitting there going, oh... Maybe that's why I like I'm liking this so much in that it's basically a detective film. It's a mystery. Mm. Yeah. And I like that I had to, you know, tease things out and figure stuff out, um, and stuff like that. I I guess I like from from horror movies that I do actually remember, I like the fact that there's something other than the horror. Mm. Like the dumplings which we were talking about before um i that is still so poignant in my mind because of the soundtrack because yeah. of the um <laughs> what's foley that's it yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah robert when did you last watch this this film did i last watch it yeah oh um maybe four three or four years ago okay mm. so it's been a little bit of time yeah how was it on this watching for you i loved it i always love it mm. <laughs> um but i i haven't actually watched it on on my nice big projection screen before, before. so I haven't seen it this big, since, this crisp. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Since the the cinema, mm. um, I've watched it on DVD many a time. I've watched it on VHS, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful way to watch the mm. film. Um, <laughs> uh, but it it has Govavinsky's look. This look was aped. Mm. So much after this film, yeah. the the color grade, the this this muted blue green wash, mm-hmm. um, the style of cinematography, which is admittedly a lot of shots are pulled directly from the Japanese one, but mm. there's also just so much original, iconic imagery in this that that is repeated mm. and brought back. But in terms of the colour grading thing, wasn't that something that had already been established within the cinematography at large? Because you think, um, this is 2002? 2002, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Matrix very much matches this colour grade. To to an extent. It it has a a bit of a green look, but actually Mm. the Matrix's green look didn't come about until the later... Blu-ray release. They regraded it because originally it was... It was white. Oh. It was a bit more white. Um, they regraded it when they digitally upgraded it for the HD master. Oh, okay. So, so when we watch it today, it's actually greener than it was when we saw it at the cinema. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Did not know that. Um, same with like seven, which mm. is another early mm. color grading one, and that looks looks very different now than it did watching it in the cinema because yeah. color grading, it had a color grade after the fact for when it got remastered and put on okay. dvd i must say it there were moments in this film that were evocative of things like seven um mm. I, I got 
uh, the video game Heavy Rain vibes pretty early on yeah. because I apparent- got Silent Hill. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, I guess, yeah. because of the horror elements yeah. as well. To be Sil- fair, I haven't played. I haven't played Heavy I Rain. Mean, yeah. so. Silent Hill is Japanese yeah. horror, so yeah. yeah, like there's a there is a lot of <laughs> that kind of yeah mm. style of imagery and uh, the story of the film. For those that don't know, is um, there is a videotape, and if you watch it. You die in seven days. Mm-hmm. And that is told to you in the first minute of the film. And I really mm. love the way the film did this, where it just sets up, this is the rule for the film. And they set it up in a way where it is told to you, but it doesn't feel expositional, even I though just, it, it is. I just totally realized by doing that, and maybe you've already figured this out, which is why you were like, I love that. Yeah. So uh, while we were watching, it means that we know, we as audience know the timeline before the characters do mm. and therefore that, that adds that adds the tension yeah. yeah that ticking clock is so important oh my god mm. um and the other thing that i love about that opening scene i know you haven't finished giving the synopsis yet <laughs> no no sorry, that's, that's just, fine we can, we can jump in and out but that opening scene mm. is so great when it came out in the cinemas i, I saw it a number of times yeah um and the first time uh it was a school night and I took my dad um, on opening night because I just had to see it opening night. Mm. Is your dad much of a horror fan? Absolutely not. <laughs> and, um, but we didn't think anything of it. I didn't think anything of it. I just was keen to see this film. Um, yeah. And it, it's hard to describe <laughs> how, exactly how much it affected both of us. Yeah. How, like, 100% certain that we were going to die that night. Like, it was so petrifying i don't I don't think you understand no, how no, the effect this film had on a generation of of teens yeah i, I saw it well, a few years after it was released but i was about like 14 15. this is the scaredest i've ever been in the cinema in my yeah. life yeah. mind you though i could i think i could understand the thought process that gets you there because mm. just a just a um, was, like, just a little yeah. uh segue when I, segways within segways. Yes, yeah, segways within segways. When I was, um, and I think this speaks to how we like to make ourselves scared about, and we're willing to mm. to go on that journey with with horror movies or with whatever. Um, as a ten year old, no, I was nine year old kid. Me and my friends obsessed with ghosts, obsessed with spiritualism, and like doing. Not that we did Ouija boards because my family was very religious and it was stressed that mm. I was not to do something like that. Yeah. But we convinced ourselves that one of the toilets in our primary school was haunted. Brilliant. And convinced ourselves so much that we were like, one of the girls went in and then and she came back out and she's all a bit weird. In hindsight, I'm like, oh, that girl actually had an absence seizure. Yeah, right. And we probably should have told someone. But we thought we were just like, it's a ghost. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, you've, you've seen films about ghosts. You haven't seen yeah. films about absence seizures, I'm presuming, at that time. It's so, a- no. actually, well, in the yeah. in the original novel, yeah. it's actually uh, a mutation of smallpox virus ah. that is part of the transmission Mm of the curse it's 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 very very weird and complicated it's just like the the adaptation is very good just like part of the vampire part of vampire law comes out of probably to unknown tuberculosis epidemics yeah well just going back to the cinema and one of the reasons why it was so terrifying was because there was like 15 um 13 year olds 
sitting three rows behind us. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's there's not many, but there's like quite a few jump scares in yeah. this. Mm. And they would scream at the top of their lungs and everyone in the cinema would just jump. Yeah. So like it's everyone was really, really, really on edge. Not just because of what was happening on screen, but because, because we were also whole... like we were waiting for a jump because they're like, Oh, they're gonna scream again right now. Like, oh god. Mm. And it was Bad. something about that opening these teenage girls mm. this very it's almost like an 80s slasher movie setup yeah. right and um it's this is pre creepy pasta like mm. kind mm. of the these kinds of stories uh like this this kind of helped push that along but yeah. this kind of like modern day cult spooky boogeyman Although we figures. did have the chain emails. We had chain emails, and this oh. is basically a, a horror chain email. Yeah. yeah. But um, one of the things this film does so well is that if you watch the trailer for it, it looks like a a, a shitty teen horror film. Mm. That's, that's what most people expected going in. Mm. Yeah. And so what happens is you sit down and you watch this first scene and you immediately relax and go... I know exactly what this is. Mm. This is this is just going to be a bunch of teens. It's going to be a guy with a knife being stupid. It's going to be all... it's going to be the girl in the bikini that walks yeah. down into having the having sleepovers yeah, and everyone's going to be showing. Basement. Hey, I just got this new tape. You guys want to yeah. watch it? Yeah, like um, okay. and this is going to be super lame. And then they have that first kill, mm. and then you've got a good hour and fifteen minutes of forgetting that and slowly being drawn into this real slow burn mystery. Mm. Um, and after that first scare, yeah, I think like people were a bit on edge, but like, oh, but, but we know what this is. And then there aren't any, there aren't really any big scares for, for a while, for so long. And mm. you just kind of forget and you, and you get, you get lulled. To the, like to the island. Yeah. You get lulled into a, false sense of security yeah i think the film does a good job of going oh that could be a jump oh it's not a jump scare oh like a lot of shots like doors opening where we can't see the hallway Mm. behind the door and then the door shuts and it's still just the hallway whereas in in another thing you'd expect there to be somebody there and it's nice because the jump scares are effective but they're effective in the moment Mm. whereas this film works hard at getting under your skin yeah and just Percolating and brooding. I'd just like to point out, I'm going home alone <laughs> to another. This is this is another. A... That, this is like yeah. Lake Mungo, where I'm like, mm. the full effect of this film won't hit you until a few nights later. Oh great! And mm. That so that's that's what happened that. with. That's what happened with. Well, unfortunately, it was the night that I had seen this film. Yeah. Um, my dad had a nightmare, and he hasn't had a nightmare in like oh, wow. 50 years. Wow. I had nightmares. Like, we were really affected by yeah. this You're both just there at your cereal the um, next morning. But Ooh. the worst thing was, mm. 2 a.m., I'm asleep in my room. And mm. the phone rings. And there's tapping on my window. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Samaria. <laughs> I'm like, I was, like, having nightmares, and I hear this tapping, and I'm, like, half asleep, half awake. And it was a school night. It was a Thursday night yeah. when the film came mm. out. I shouldn't, shouldn't have stayed up um, and seen a movie. And I was like, I've got school tomorrow. I'm like, I'm just not... And then there was but there was tapping and it was like actual tapping on my window. I was like, am I dreaming? Is this real? It it cannot be real. I am like freaking myself out. Mm -hmm. My sister had is 
uh, much older than I am, and she, she had, had gone out drinking, and she left her key, <laughs> and she wanted me to open the door, <gasps> and I would not budge because I was so freaking petrified. Did she have long black hair that hung over her face? <laughs> Thankfully, no. I, I I did not look out from my covers. I was like so petrified. Did you did you realize that it was her no. eventually, or no, did she? Not until the next day. <gasps> Not until the next day. She had to fall asleep she in a had, well. No, she had to, she had to go around and, and knock on mum and dad's door and she got in trouble. Um, she so And then when she was like, why didn't you let me in? She's like, blame Korfabinski. <laughs> yeah, she was like, oh, why didn't you let me, let me in? And I was like, there's no way in hell I was getting... There was just no way after watching this film. What are the odds? That's like, I used to be terrified of looking... Because the blinds in my childhood bedroom never... There was a gap between the blinds mm. and the windowsill. Um, and I got to a certain age where I would never look out that gap because I was always terrified I'd see mm. eyes looking back at me. Yeah. So anyway, the, the synopsis. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, is <laughs> yeah. that's actually kind of all you need to know for the synopsis because then what we get is a pretty good murder mystery or mm. like, I, I suppose, uh, not murder mystery. I mean, it's kind no, of a murder, murder mystery. mystery. Yeah, murder mystery. It's, it's a mystery. It's like... It's a mystery mm. with some murders. Teens all died on the same yeah. night. Yeah. And I like we don't this happen. I like we don't linger on that. I thought that was yeah. going to be... Uh, from my memory of this yeah. was that that was a bigger part of the film, and it isn't. They sort of move on from that pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, well, I guess it just... It sets her on the path of researching mm. who... Researching the video more, researching what the images could mean and everything like that. Yeah. And then, of so. course, uh, Rachel, played by Naomi Watts, mm. uh, is the... I guess the auntie of the teenager that dies. Um, yes. And... Following the the funeral and the wake, um, her sister asks her to find out why a perfectly healthy 16-year-old just dropped dead. Uh, and so that investigation leads her to discover this cabin in the woods, but not mm. that kind, uh, <laughs> that, um, that her, her niece was at um, not too long ago, just over a week ago, actually. Mm. Uh, and um, she finds a videotape, she watches the videotape, and it's full of weird art house student film imagery as noah yeah. says uh but then i a, feel like andy warhol made that video yeah <laughs> that was a man that was a fun assignment whoever was like in charge yeah. of making the video yeah. for the but ring but the thing is is it's got to tie into so many things that mm. appear later in the film yeah like it, it, very specifically and yeah, yeah. angles matching you, and yeah so it can't be a thing of just all right here's a list of stuff that gore wants in this film just mm. just go do it like yeah you you know the, the way the centipede moved had to reflect the way that the centipede would move later in the film yeah the shots of the mirror with anna in it the shots mm. of uh, the ladder as you say and the specific mm. angles there was just so much about it that was clearly well thought out yeah. way ahead of time mm. um and it yeah and she watches it and then she gets the call it says seven and then we're we're on the roller coaster, baby. We got to figure it out before mm. the seven days are up, and it's fun. And I actually think it's more fun because of the horror elements being in the background. Yeah, yeah. this this yeah, film has. I'm glad you brought up Lake Mungo because I, I was going to. Um, this film does feel like it shares a lot of the same sort of. I don't know, chemistry, something mm. with Lake Mungo in terms of the, just there being an ongoing sense of dread. I, oh. d I don't think the dread is as strong in this film as it is in Lake Mungo. It mm. was in the cinema when I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like but, but, but it, but dread. You, you feel it. I, I was Even mm. though I knew what was going to happen, I was still... 
I had that feeling in my, my stomach of just, oh yeah, that's right. This is this can't this this can't yeah. go well. Like there's yeah. no way out of this. Yeah, they are gonna die, and we're yeah. gonna watch it, and it's gonna be horrible. And yeah, it, yeah. and and obviously, Lake Mungo and the Ring are very different films. Yeah, uh, Lake Mungo is a, a quasi documentary yeah. basically, whereas this is like a more traditional thriller. Hollywood, yeah, yeah. Hollywood produced thriller. slick. But yeah, it, it does have that sense of. Mm. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> Throughout the whole thing, mm. but it lets the fun of unraveling the mystery happen without yeah. the horror elements jumping in too much. Yeah, and it's—I think it's the yeah the the mystery elements that definitely um, keep you wanting to watch, and then the horror just keeps you a bit more on edge. So mm. you're you're overly aware, you're hyper focused on all the different elements. Mm. Um, like there's, that there's scene, there's stakes. There's that, stakes to the mystery. Yeah, <laughs> that scene where she's watching the mental hospital video. Mm. I was just every time they cut to Naomi Watts's face, I was like, "Is Samara going to appear behind her? Come on, like is, is the yeah. is the yeah. lighthouse going to flash and there's going to be a body?" And there was, but it wasn't Samara. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and you, the, the really great thing that I, I picked up on watching this time was the film just lets moments run. Mm. Uh, like the the te- the sequence of, of Naomi Watts' character Rachel watching that that tape in the Morgan home of the psych doctors interviewing Samara. Yeah. Mm. Um, though they link those shots of just her sat in that white room, mm. a lot longer than I remember. And I and it was again it was that sense of mm. dread of going, oh, is there going to be some spooky ghost stuff happening in this video? And there isn't. No. But but it, it's so good. There's but just also, a creepy child. There is a creepy child in it, but also the the things that the creepy child is saying is mm. very very important, and mm. so it just it just shows it to you plainly because mm. you need to you need to be listening, and so it doesn't do anything to distract you from it because they what they do do, and if you have seen it, you know, fifty times like I have, yeah. it does get a bit annoying how much they repeat the information but it's great for a first time viewer then mm. she she'll say um she'll say something in the tape and then mm. you hear it as a like a, a voiceover flashback yeah. again later on to remind you or like you'll this see the flash why, this is significant yeah you'll yeah. see the flash from the videotape when she sees the location in real life yeah um, th- those moments are, are replayed and played out and and um to remind you that like everything is actually important and is leading to something that is going to mean something later on. And I think it does also help add with that sense of urgency because it's kind of, at least for me, it was obviously, it was clearly established Oh, that as they get closer to those seven days more, they're going to see more things. So this, them seeing more things means that they're like near the precipice and everything. So I was like, Oh, maybe that's what these flashes are getting more and more Mm. intense. Um, there's a guy that Rachel was hanging out with and then slowly over the film you realise, oh, it's an ex. Oh, it's the father of her child. Like yes. I, I, uh, this, this Noah character, I, I really kind of appreciate that they didn't that they didn't start up front with, oh, look who has walked through the door, the father of my child who I am no longer in love with. They just let it play out naturally mm-hmm. where we find out as the audience what the relationship is between these characters in a way that is dramatically satisfying but doesn't break that reality of the world. Yeah. And it, I, it yeah. also it also keeps revelations happening mm. further on into the yeah. film. It gives you some little treats as you and go it's, along. It's like there's there's a nice little 
little character relationship. Mm. Like it's very very simple, but mm. it's it's bare bones, but it's enough to be interesting mm. to yeah. watch. It's it's not badly done, so and but, it just raises the stakes. Yeah, because now it's like, oh, not only have they got to save this kid, it's both of it, yeah. Aiden is both of their kid. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, oh, okay, cool, right? Yeah. This is getting more and more intense. Like, we, we, yeah. they better get through this. Um, the, the 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 central mystery itself, and we've spoken for almost twenty minutes at this point. If you haven't watched the film before getting this far into the podcast. Probably stop now before we reveal too much else. But we, I mean, we are going to talk about the fact that why what actually happened to Samara, hmm. which is that I don't. Do you know the more interesting question to me? Yeah. is not what happened to Samara. Hmm. It's what is Samara. Well, hmm. see, that's the thing. I, I feel like we, establishing what happened to Samara is key to then set up that question of. Yeah, but right. what is she? Because she she is murdered by her mother. Her mother is having terrible nightmares, bad psychotic episodes. The more they are around the child, and then to the point where she just straight up murders her by choking her out with a plastic bag, throwing her body down a well, and leaving her to die there um, over the course of seven days. <laughs> uh, and and then obviously you know. It, it falls apart and, uh, you know, we see Brian Cox as a sad, lonely widower uh, with a lot of uh, power boards. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a way to go. He, I mean, like, you yeah. did... that. It was... Ugh. As someone who works with, like, electricity, mm. that was overkill. You do not need all of that. <laughs> need one it's of those things. It's visually very arresting. Yes, he was also... He felt guilty. He wanted to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> wanted to I go out with a bang. I Brian Cox in this film. Me and my friends quote Brian Cox in this film all the time to the point that I've, I've actually made like a little techno remix of like his lines <laughs> from this for a friend's birthday. I'll have to play it to you guys. On I YouTube. was going to say, is, is it possible we could hear this? Is it, is it possible we could sneak it into the podcast at the end of the episode? Sure. Okay. <laughs> they keep listening folks. Can't wait for that. It's, it's just full of in jokes of like our favorite lines from the <laughs> film that probably won't make sense anywhere else, but sure. Sure. Excellent. All right. Oh. Bonus, bonus guys. Um, but yeah, it's, so, so that is the, the question of Samara was this child who was killed and um, from the perspective of Rachel as she discovers this when she falls in the well and then mm. has the vision of the murder it makes sense of like oh I've helped put this soul at peace and the film does this really good job of making you think <laughs> oh everything's everything, okay yeah, everything's okay and that's why Rachel survived because she did it just in time before the seven days elapsed uh, but then there's a little twist at the end where, no, the ghost is still doing things. So I, I suppose, yeah, it, it is key to ask, mm. Robert Woods, what is Samara? What's Samara? Mm. Well, it's, it says in the film. <laughs> What's Samara you? Hey, what what is she? Do you know what? It's The annoying thing about this is that if you continue watching the series, they retcon oh. some things. Okay. That um, just drives me up the wall because it changes what she because is. it it changes the theme and it it oh. uh, and it changes the whole purpose. I think of what is the her point. essence yeah. and why she is what she is. Do the sequels like canonically state what she is? Do, do they come to a conclusion? They they do. Mm. And are there American sequels? Or? There are, there are American sequels. Okay. Yep. 
Um, and what Samara is mm. is different to what Sadako is, mm. which is the Japanese one. And mm. there are different explanations, mm. and that's different also to what is in the original novel. Yeah. Mm. Um, but is the original novel Japanese? Yes. And I think if, if you just look at the American film by itself, yeah. I think it states quite clearly yeah. that Anna Morgan had 67 miscarriages. Mm. And then, as the doctor says, they went away on holiday. Mm. They went somewhere. You do see a lot of Japanese paraphernalia around the house. And you do see in their file that there's some kind of Japanese Mm. scrawling. Mm -hmm. And then there is a certificate of a live birth from Anna Morgan. And that's Samara. Mm. So she went somewhere. Possibly Japan. Possibly Japan. Mm. Which is a nice little nod to the origin story. She did something. She did something dark and evil to get a live birth child mm. from herself. She came. She comes back to the island. Uh, what is it like? We don't know how long, but it must have been more than nine months later mm-hmm. with a child. With a child that they say they have adopted, um, and, and that is their child and then everything happens. Mm-hmm. So that that is my that's what I take away from the film. That's that's mm-hmm. my reasoning. Yeah. Based on what the film presented. A lot of that changes in the sequel where they say that you know she the, was adopted. She was adopted and yeah. that, from that, Satan. That live birth is a forgery and like mm. all this stuff and it's just mm. like no that's stupid. That okay. <laughs> I hate all that. Interesting. It yeah, it's 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 spooky, uh, mm. and I, I quite like that. I, I quite like, and I think that's the reason this film maybe had the legs that it did, is because the ending isn't. Oh, we fixed it. The yeah. ending is no, no, no. This eventual ghost, this this ghost is or whatever spirit, whatever it is that Samara has become. She's still it, going. Yeah, yeah. yeah like someone solved the mystery, and she's like, "Yeah, cool." Still mad I got murdered, though. Yeah. <laughs> And it's yeah. not it's not just I don't think it's she's mad that she got murdered. Mm. I don't think she cares yeah. one way or she, the other about it. She does say she's like she already oh, knew. I, I no, I like hurting people, she says in the yeah. mental hospital. She, yeah, she does say like I do like hurting people and yeah. it's not gonna stop. And it doesn't matter. She's been unleashed into the world mm-hmm. and it's it's the the metaphor of what Samara is mm is i think timeless mm. which is why it's still a good watch yeah um this conversation has just made me think of like movies that i would do a double feature with this oh no nice. not necessarily horror movies yeah but i'm like we need to talk about kevin the bad seed <laughs> and oh what was it um the village of the damned <laughs> Oh, fun. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's all creepy-ass children. A lot of creepy kids' films. Yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking of creepy-ass children, uh, Rachel's son, Aiden, in this film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Katrina, at times you said he just behaved like a like a full-grown human that had been shrunk down. Well, yeah, he. there was just a couple of shots. It wasn't so much the behaviour, just the, the look. And I think it was the suit. Yeah. But it just looked 
like they were like, no, let's not get a child. Let's get a person with dwarfism mm. and like superimpose a child's face on them or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, which they obviously didn't mm, do mm. because that would be very silly. And I feel like probably very derogatory to people with <laughs> yeah. dwarfism. Uh, to be honest, what it, what it felt like though was because his... His behaviour was a little icy dead people, yeah. which is fair enough given how re- soon yeah. this came out after The Sixth Sense. He also mm. does look a bit like um, Holly, Haley <laughs> <laughs> Joel Osman. Yeah, but I, I think the thing that I really like clicked with this kid, but also made him feel mm. quite mature, was just the fact that he was very, very matter of fact. And it wasn't yeah. just the fact he called his mum Rachel the whole time, but yeah. it was it was just the fact where he was like... No, you weren't meant to do that. You're not meant to help her. God, oh, you know, and like he, you, he had a bit of, he had a bit of sass. Man, you should have heard yeah. the gasp in the cinema when that came. when when he says, "Why did you help her?" Mm. Yeah, people freaked out. Yeah, <laughs> like it was it was glorious. Well, guess what, kid? Why didn't you tell your mum? She's been running around for like an hour and forty yeah, minutes at this like point. Speaking to dead people, like you, you could help her out a yeah. bit. <laughs> you could afford. Thing, to- that's the thing that <laughs> interests me as well. So. This whole video, you get the creepy phone call. Mm. And if you're the teenager, she does nothing. Mm. Tells no one. Does some weird-ass drawing and stuff. Doesn't, like, well, go she, and... she told a lot of people because everyone was talking about... Yeah. Everyone like, was talking about it at school. Talks about it. Talks to her friends. But then I just... She talks to her I, nephew uh, mm. <laughs> that she's going to die in seven days. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, it's just... I'm like... I'm just a bit confused about why people all of a sudden go, oh, no, I'll just research, go research this. Although I guess, yeah, she, the research started before she watched the video. Um, it's just, <laughs> I'm like, what? surely other people would have come come across the video and done weird-ass shit. So or... there's, yeah, I guess I know I too know. much lore to yeah. know why. And I guess maybe I'm um, projecting too much knowledge onto the, this film that maybe all the yeah. answers aren't in this one film, mm. but no, I think it's I, more, I'm, I'm just questioning um, people logic, right. I guess people. Yeah. And things like how that. they're behaving. And there are probably some things that like, I'm just like, why did they do this? And he's like, actually, if I watched it again, the, the answers would be there. Or maybe I just didn't know. Well, I guess because like, I blanked. If you're a teenager and you got school and stuff yeah. and you're having nightmares and mm. you think yeah. it's a creepy thing, but like, what are you, you going to do? I guess then you don't want to admit that you. It's yeah, teenagers yeah, hide. She's, she had a stupid, secret boyfriend. Yeah, and te- she was, teenagers hide stupid shit all the time. She wasn't so. supposed yeah. to be at a cabin yeah. with her friends. So. Katie yeah. also doesn't have the independence to go and do Reset, photojournalism yeah. Yeah. like um, Rachel does. Yeah. And yeah, as you say, she, she's younger, she's less ex- less experienced. Mm. Maybe she doesn't believe it for part no. of it as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it, it works quite well. Mm. The thing it's making me realise though, and I know Rob, you've said they've done iterations of The Ring subsequently that have looked at things like social media. Mm. Essentially people wouldn't die if they just liked and subscribed, which feels like... <laughs> that, that's yeah. why I think it's a, a timeless mm. uh, thematic mm. horror film because you can adapt. It's, it, it, it is a nice metaphor for a lot of things, mm. um, but the idea of just uh, spreading and copying like a virus mm. um, and s- like spreading hatred and mm. evil... And forcing other people to witness it, mm. and then them having to yeah. send it on is—it's mm. you know—it's 
it's the hate you give. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, one thing that that confused me a little bit, and it's just because I'd completely forgotten this character was in the film, but um, when when Multipass shows up, when um, yeah, what's oh, the, the assistant, the assistant yeah. who is obviously uh, Noah's new partner, um, <laughs> as she turns you herself. A, you want a buddy cop? Yeah. Mm. Um, so she appears in that one scene, and then we don't see her again until the very end of the film, mm. where she's getting into the lift to go up to the apartment, and Rachel doesn't say anything. Mm. I guess. What What was that about? Because a little bit of me watching it this time went, I'm not. There's There's a few different things that are running through my head, and I'm not sure what it is. If If she's seen there, she might be implicated in something. Yeah. I guess. Mm. I think also part of it is that is the setup for the original Japanese sequel because the oh. original sequel follows that character. She's the main oh, character. Oh, the, the assistant character. The assistant character oh, yeah. okay. is is the, the lead of the, the, the original Japanese sequel. However, mm. then they erased that and made a new sequel and pretended that one didn't exist. <laughs> okay. Um, and then the American sequel doesn't follow either of those sequels. So, mm. um, But it, it might have been... Just Might a have little just been nod feeding that, but to also it. I think it's that Rachel is trying her hardest not to tell anyone about this because she doesn't want to spread mm. this mm. thing. But she has to for her yeah. kid to survive because yeah. the kid. The film finishes on the kid going, "Well, who are we going to show it to?" And it's like a bomb bomb. There just, is a deleted scene that, from the end that yeah. just <laughs> that reminded me. I have actually seen the end of the Japanese one. Okay. Which is um, the the Rachel character, the mm. Japanese version of the Rachel character, uh, ringing up. I think the grandfather. Yeah. Um, Her sick old grandfather. Grandfather. Yeah. yeah. Uh, saying, and it's them driving off. Yeah. To obviously go see him. Yeah. Mm. Uh, saying, "Oh, I, um, there's something I need you to do, and it's for the child." Um, yeah. Yeah. So you do remember that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that bit. That's, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That's I, the very end of the film. I do mm. like this film goes not going to say and i i do know yeah. that the, what the deleted scene is there was a scene with a character that at the start of the film rachel was interviewing this character who was a serial killer who was in prison yeah uh, some something oh, like he that. was just an asshole yeah but, oh yeah, was it, that how because i noticed it flashed up on the newspaper just before noah noah yeah his name yeah, noah. yeah no. uh, was got gotten by by ring girl got ringed got ringed oh no got, I, I feel like that is probably some sort of sexual act got rung out <laughs> anyway. got ring a ding dinged <laughs> um it focused on the when he put his coffee down there was something about someone's about to get released yeah so he yeah so, so they, that's they left kind it, of a reference they to left that. it for him to see mm. but yeah you're right i think it's a smart delete um mm. to get rid of that and have it be ambiguous because yeah. that's the, it's a lingering mm. dread yeah. yeah, that we're all left with now, um, which is, I think, more effective for a mm. horror film. Uh, yeah. um, I, I do want to talk about, before we move on to the trivia, uh, about the scene where we actually see Samara climb out the TV oh. and, mm. and do some but spooky horror stuff. There were screams mm. When, mm. when there's that bit where she suddenly she like reaches. goes... There were gasps when she came out of the TV, but when she's standing up and she kind of flickers and then like goes and jumps oh, yeah. forward, yeah, that bit screams and like it went freaking wild. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's very effective. Like, even twenty years on, it's like it's, it was like mm. 
Yeah. It's hard to describe how much, like, utter tension and dread. No, I can understand it. So I I went and last time I was in London, I had the pleasure of seeing uh, The Woman in Black. Oh, brilliant. On stage. Yeah. Mm. Um, Yeah. And there... I have never felt so much tension in a mm-hmm. room when a character was trying to open a door. Yeah. Um, and he couldn't open it. And then, so he walks away and then it slams open. And the amazing thing about that show is it starts in a theatre and mm. then they, um, then they sort of, yeah. like they're play acting in a theatre, in a theatre sort mm. of mm. thing, um, telling out the story. And, they see a woman in one of the characters sees a woman in black, but when the bows happen, she is not there. It is just the two yeah. leads. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and it's there's something weird about being in a room where there is that much tension. Where it, yeah, you can you feel can everyone just na- just you can narrow feel their focus. Everyone's held breath. Yeah, and you can. And that was the experience I had watching this film, and it's, yeah. it's stuck with me. And even though cons- subsequent viewings have not like not equal that, that yeah. I like I I still like I just still remember it. Yeah. and it's that's one of the reasons why it, it definitely holds a spot in my heart. And yeah. so so much of the imagery of it is much like in the film burned into my brain, mm. and the soundtrack. Um, the the cellos the, the, those cellos they are going hard <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a workout um for them but it's like a gorgeous mm. horror soundtrack it's yeah. a beautiful lush melodic one which mm. is rare to get in horror sometimes um thankfully this one is allowed space because of its slow burn mystery and, yeah. and character stuff going on that it's given that space to play out and be mm. brooding and mysterious. Mm. And I think it's also interesting that it was a bit of a phenomenon because it was accessible because mm. teenagers, younger people could go to the cinema because mm. it was and watch PG-13. This. It was rated yeah. PG-13 in yeah. America and it 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 it's ushered in a wave of PG thirteen horror, like suddenly mm. America realized, oh, that there's a, a teen horror, horror market yeah. that, mm. like, a younger teen horror yeah. market uh, that that we need to tap into. Yeah, mm. and also J horror is all the rage as well. Mm. So if this one was good, then let's do the grunge let's do all and, of and them. one must call and yeah. you know, every single one, Dark Water, everything under the sun, yeah, <laughs> just like remake all of them. Yeah. Um, would you guys like some trivia about The Ring? Yes, I'll be Absolutely. amazed if any of it Rob doesn't know. Well, we'll find out. Uh, <laughs> all of this trivia comes from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, the first bit of trivia is that the cursed video is available as an Easter egg on the original DVD release. Um, you can basically select look uh, here and press down and your curse will disappear. disappear. Mm-hmm. Then you press enter uh, this has an interesting feature. Your remote control is then disabled. Once the video has started playing, you can't stop it. It has to play through. You can't fast forward it. You can't rewind it. Oh, you just wow. have to let it play. Unless you turn off the TV, you're forced to watch the whole thing. When it's over, the DVD returns to the menu, and then you hear a phone ringing twice. 
before you are given control of the remote oh. again. Yeah, it goes back. It goes back to the menu, and the phone is like part of the, the video of like the menu. Oh. Mm. Yeah. But what's fun is um, before the DVD ever came out, I managed to find a copy of the video on the net. Yes, and um, I had a, a music teacher at high school. I was in year twelve when it came mm. out, and um, I managed to get it off the internet and onto a VHS. And I put copy on it and uh, I knew my, cause I had spoken, she had also gone opening night. You're a fucking she, villain. And I put it in her pigeonhole <laughs> and I just left it there. And then, <laughs> and then I, I kind of said like two months later, I said, oh, by the way, did you ever, did you ever get a videotape in your pigeonhole? <laughs> She's like, was that you? <laughs> Damn it. I was petrified and I did not watch it. <laughs> So great. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, there, there was a bit of um, marketing stuff that happened with this film where um, in the first week of release in the US and Canada, Select Cinemas put actual copies of the cursed tape on seats for unsuspecting viewers as freebies. Um, mm. And yeah, so people. I heard could they, I heard they traveled around college dorms mm. and like people, some people knew what it was and some people didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the lead up to the film, oh, it's like that's great viral that's, marketing. That <laughs> I is, love that. but I feel given to the wrong person, that's like a mental illness waiting <laughs> to happen. Mm. Uh, and long before the movie premiered, the vid- that that video was used um, as a commercial, but the commercial did not mention that it was for a movie uh, mm. for for nearly a month. So it was literally just they played the spooky video as a commercial and when, then left it at that. When did when was Blair Witch Project? 97 or 99? 99 it was. Yeah. 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 19. 99. So same year as uh, Sixth so, Sense. Yeah. I thought it was around the same. I thought it was like in the 2000s. Mm. Um, yeah, because I feel like that they've obviously very much taken out of that kind of idea, mm. that kind of um, marketing the, bent. The viral marketing that's like just pre-internet. Yeah. yeah. It's like just the start of the internet. It's happening and uh mm. yeah those were the days it's impressive yeah yeah i can't imagine doing anything like that now. well you or, say or that, at least doing it well but have you seen do you know about smile <laughs> no there's a film in, in cinemas now called okay. smile that had a great campaign they just had the um they just had what was it like the baseball championships oh yeah and um and Smile is very much indebted to The Ring and mm. It Follows and, and films of that ilk um, in that it's about a, a curse that follows you and it, within a week you'll mm. die mm. and you'll see people following you that are smiling. Oh, yeah. Unnaturally large. Unnaturally smiling. Yeah. And um, so what they did was at the end of both uh, ends of the, the baseball court, um, mm. They had people stand up and smile at, directly at the camera. Um, and so whenever, if you're watching it at home, yeah. there would just be someone in the crowd looking at the camera in directly, the background, yeah. just in the background. And then they had, um, they did it on like Good Morning America, like news reports and stuff. Just the people in the background, there would just be someone standing in the crowd, just smiling oh, at the camera. Yeah. And this was like a viral marketing campaign and people started to like 
look out on yeah, TV. They're like popping it. up everywhere on these like live broadcasts. Yeah. Mm. Um, so they do happen. And in fact, um, Sadako, the mm. Japanese um, iteration of Samara, yeah, she was involved in a rather hilarious um, Japanese campaign when uh, Sadako versus Kayako. Mm. which is basically the ring versus the grudge came out in which they had their baseball grand championships. And, uh, and at halftime, um, all of the screens started flickering Flickering. (laughs) and Sadako comes out on the pitch, (laughs) um, and, and goes up to the plate followed by Kayako and her little son, yeah. The ghosts that come up with the baseball bat, and they had a little pitching match. <laughs> it's the you can find it on YouTube, and it's so funny. <laughs> and and, the, and like the Japanese commentators are going wild. It's like, oh my god, it's Sadako. What's she gonna do? <laughs> it's Pitch so funny. real badly, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she. It's a but like they've clearly got an actual yeah, pro baseball, baseball player, player yeah. because like he pitches with hair over his face and gets this shot and and she gets a shot off and then falls down dead and the little boy runs around the (laughs) the baseball pitch it's it's great there's some very very smart people in marketing yeah Yeah. that's that's fantastic Uh, for the choice of the film's color it was decided that everything was to be tinged with the color green to give the film a sickly unnatural feeling Mm -hmm. the sets were also lit in a way that none of the characters had a shadow to create an almost subconscious sense of creepiness. Mm, I didn't notice that. Mm. I did now, that notice... now that it's mentioned, I can see it in yeah. every single shot. Yeah. <laughs> that is very strange. Yeah, so I, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to spot because mm. I read, obviously, do, doing the trivia beforehand. I uh. kept it under my hat just to see if it was something that you, was picked up on. And it's weird. It is weird seeing that, yeah. Where possible, no shadow. It's, mm. it's actually pretty... It's quite an interesting look, actually. Yeah. Well, I guess all of the scenes are done in just that very dull, drizzly day, which basically mm. creates um, like a softbox mm. um, effect. Yeah. And particularly if it feels like all the light is coming from the top. So it, yeah. helps, it helps eliminate that. Mm. Uh, this film sold more than 2 million DVD copies in the US alone in the first 24 hours of its release. Wow. 2 million did they not learn the lesson of this apparently film not. apparently not <laughs> oh yeah dear. that would be me <laughs> yeah all two million all two, no. <laughs> uh the red japanese maple seen in the video was artificial and yes you did correctly identify the type of tree although but... i think i said elm but no no we'll give you it's a japanese tree yeah. yeah um it wasn't real though it was built out of steel tubing and plaster and painted uh, silk for the leaves. Uh, the crew dubbed it Lucille uh, after <laughs> a certain famous red-headed actress. Uh, while filming in Washington State, the tree was erected three times only to have it knocked over by nearly 100 mile an hour wind gusts. Oh, it was then relocated to Los Angeles where it was erected a fourth time only to be blown down again, this time by 60 mile an hour winds. <laughs> so, uh, much luck with that tree. Yeah, maybe, could have maybe just gotten a real tree maybe. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm not sure. No, they're expensive. Um, still mm. piping and whatever you do on top is much cheaper. I suppose. A show that I was not involved in but but got to see had to have a whole bunch of big tree branches that mm. people brought in and then set and arranged. Um, and I was very pleased to find out later that it was like a steel bar 
with a pool wrapped in a pool noodle and yeah. painted. Ah, it was great. I was good. like, that's so good. Movie magic. Yes. Mm. Uh, Brian Cox plays a character whose wife killed herself after physically receiving horrific images from her child. A year later, Brian Cox plays a character whose wife kills herself after uh, physically receiving horrific images from her child. Sorry, psychically receiving images from her child in X2, X-Men United. <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah, just, just a fun thing where, yeah, Brian Cox oh, played... Yeah, that's right, because he plays Striker, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. I forget about that. Yeah, poor Brian Cox is getting the X-Men script going, ooh, I got the willies from that The Ring film. Oh, it's happening again! <laughs> He's getting typecast. He is, yeah. yeah. Uh, Old it, white man. Yeah. <laughs> In a succession of roles. And finally, <laughs> uh, the final bit of trivia. This was the first collaboration between director Gore Verbinski and composer Hans Zimmer. Oh. Ever since then, Zimmer has composed the music for Verbinski-directed films, with the exception of A Cure for Wellness from 2016. Mm. Uh, Even though Zimmer is only credited as the music producer for the first Pirates of the Caribbean film, which came out a year after The Ring, Mm. uh, Zimmer did actually compose the main themes for that film. So yeah, this is the start of the uh, Verbinski-Zimmer relationship. Yeah. Mm. And it's been pretty good. I mean, yeah, I mean, Hans Zimmer fantastic film composer yeah um, but uh, yeah he's, he's an interesting one because he's um he's a composer that has i i know from years it, it took a good decade before the soundtrack was for this film was actually actually released and i know because i desperately wanted it as for soon as i yeah oh, for the okay. ring i desperately wanted it as soon as i mm. as soon as i um saw the film and it just was you could not buy it. it it didn't ever get a release and um it wasn't until the ring 2 came out they released a the ring and the ring 2 mm. combined soundtrack and it was just like seven tracks that was just like little bits from here and there mm. it was very disappointing that mm. it's never actually been properly released but um i do remember scouring the internet and looking for any kind of samples of the, the music from the ring yeah and I did find some on all of these up-and-coming young composers' pages of, like, here's the bits that I composed for The Ring. Because Hans Zimmer, uh, quite famously, has, like, a group of ten young composers that are his, like, underling composers. And mm. he'll compose a theme. And then he'll, like, just divvy up scenes for a film and spread them out. And they compete for, for like, the best scoring for each scene. Okay. And they, he kind of, like, curates and then and does a finishing pass. on. Like, he doesn't do that for all films, obviously. Yeah. But I know that's that's this is clearly one that he did that for because wow. I found some some of that great cello ricochet bowing mm. in, um, in a, an, another young composer's reel. And uh, that was the only way I was able to listen to it for so many years. Wow, that mm-hmm. as a as 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 a creator, that that kind of feels a bit iffy. <laughs> like, it, it is, but it's it's actually quite common practice yeah. for composers, especially ones like him that, that so do prolific. twenty films a year mm. or like TV shows as mm. well, like. They yeah. they do certain things and then divvy it up and mm. and it's like a almost a a rite of passage or a, a like a a way of training people like up. An, an assistant mm. composer um, yeah. it's it's a way of it's a way of getting a step up and getting mm. work done and getting a show reel and then you go and you yeah. make your own I mean I I do it with this podcast I send another ten people out and they interview 
uh, 20 of our other guests <laughs> and I just compile the best bits of the review. And it's uh, always the ones that Stephen's on. It's yeah. very odd. Yeah. No, look, I just do a bit of voice modulation. <laughs> so I make everyone sound the same and it's like, oh, we're going to use the Robert Woods uh, oh, voice mode today. Oh, maybe that's why I said things that I don't remember last week. <laughs> yeah. I was like... Because it was really Tegan Mulvaney saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to make a joke about how I would said something really racist or something like that. Well, uh, Tegan, you know where we live. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, all that remains for us to do is to score this film. Uh, not in the Hans Zimmer and his underling sense, but in the term of ratings. And Katrina, you get to go first because it was your first time watching The Ring. What would you give it out of 10? I... This is a really hard one because although I enjoyed it, I, I just no number is really popping into my head. Um, Honestly, same for me. And to, I would probably, and the score that I think I will give, um, I feel like it is very much a moving feast. Like if I went and read more about it and studied it and watched it again, it would probably be higher. Um, one thing I will say though is I did not like Naomi Watts's acting for about the first half hour of the film. I found her quite annoying and irritating. But is I it think her acting was, or the character? Uh, potentially both. Um, <laughs> but I think no, no. I think it was acting, or it was probably that time of acting because I was noticing it with the Noah character as well. Um, just very felt very unnatural um, and things like that. Mm. And and as like as the film went on, I kind of I either didn't notice it as much, or, or they it. it felt a bit better, or I got used to it. God knows. I, I think yeah. it's because Rachel at the beginning of the film is set up to be not unlikable, but like she's it's a bit grating. She yeah. is a bit grating, and like she's she's, she's career obsessed. She's mm. got problems. Like and, she's not a perfect character. Yeah, and she's clearly not relating to. But her also, like child. I think. I think a lot of the performances, especially at the start, mm. do feel very Schlocky. stilted. Yeah. Um, it, there's a there's a, a certain schlockiness to mm. those two young teen girls. Yeah. That that I think is effective. That mm. I think is is to a point. I felt it felt like they were referencing another film, like mm. Scream, maybe. Yeah, or exactly. Like it it it's yeah. made to feel like that kind of film. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, it's interesting with. Yeah, with Rachel then. Mm. But yeah. yeah. She's still a protagonist that I wanted to succeed. Yeah. But yeah, there were times where I'm like, just just ask for help. Or just, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, just just like, you know, your son is calling you Rachel instead of mum. Like, what, what have you done to him? <laughs> like, yeah, it was interesting. But no, it's because she's the cool mum, probably. She's the cool mum. Um, yeah. More, so, more to show he's quite... I had to be quite mature, I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah, with all of that in mind... Uh, I would give it a seven. Uh, seven, seven, seven what? Seven, oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seven days to live. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. It does. Yeah, you kind of walked I'm into that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh uh, Rob, what about you? What would you give it? This is, this is actually really hard. Yeah. Because, because this is just so nostalgic and it's so for me. it's and obviously it's, very ingrained it's, in you it's it's such a formative film yeah. for me and it's also probably the film that really got me into horror mm. um so 
like I can't really separate. I can't be objective mm. about it. Really. So don't be. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give it. Um. Uh. I'm gonna give it nine fingernails out of ten. Yeah. No. I don't think she had any left by the end of it. Yeah. They looked like little pearls. They did a little, yeah. Yeah, I was like, that "You're made... that no." <laughs> that kind of made it worse. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, I I really enjoyed this. Uh, horror is not necessarily a genre that I love, but mm. when it's done well, as as with most things, when something's done well, you enjoy it. But I think really well done horror is very satisfying. Yeah. In in a way that film captures better than I think other mediums of entertainment. Um, and The Ring, I think is definitely in there um for, for me it's it's not quite like mungo uh, i think that's that's still the film that is that has hung around for me uh yeah. in terms of how it made me feel which was not good um <laughs> but but also the ring is something that um you know I, I i have seen it before i remember watching it as a 14 15 year old and basically going oh wow uh this is quite the um quite the film this is quite the um, affecting spooky um, sort of thing. I just want to double check when Are I gave like Mungo because I have my notes in front of me. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, cool. I was just making sure that, because I had a number in mind and I just wanted to make sure because it's not quite like Mungo for me, which is why, and I'm really glad that my instinctive score is just half a point lower than like Mungo because to me, I feel that that's actually about right. Yeah. Um, so I am going to give it um, eight Um horse falls out of the boat oh. out of 10 love oh. it uh, because i that was graphic it was graphic that sequence isn't one we've really touched on it was yeah. a nice bit of action to yeah. sort of shake mm. up the film a bit but the way that they composited that horse jumping over naomi watts and like the way it's leg clipped and then fell yeah. it was really effective in a way where i went did they actually throw a horse off a boat for like half a second in my brain? I'm like, do, do we have to cancel Gore Verbinski for being bad to horses? Like just, just, <laughs> and uh, uh, clearly I presume they didn't actually chop off a horse with boat no. propellers. I'm presuming that was red dye or something. Um, but yeah, it I was. I like it would actually be quite difficult to, for it to, for that to happen. For a horse to get chopped up by boat propellers? I think it would definitely get, the the animal would definitely get damaged and hurt and obviously wouldn't be alive. Mm. But I don't think, I don't think you'd get that spread of blood. You wouldn't, from the, know. from the suction, from the propellers pulling it in? Yeah, but it's more likely the the animal would die from the suction and drowning than actually being hit by propellers. Propellers aren't sharp. Yeah. They've got a grinding mechanism, but unless you're getting caught between the boat and the actual propeller, I suppose it depends how fast the propeller's going. And a propeller yeah. and for a boat like, like that, was... moving through water, is yeah. probably not the same as like when you see characters get sucked into jet engines in yeah. action films, yeah. like where they come out it, as a I fine mean, mist. Look, it's very exaggerated. Yes. Yeah, but but, but it, also it matches the, yes. the imagery yes. in the the film yeah. within the film. Yeah, and yeah, look, eight freaked out horses. I feel is about right. Yeah, yeah great for for this film. It's. It's pretty fun. It's so, solid. Yeah. So I think it's a solid horror yeah, film. So yeah. Well done, Modern audience. Uh, you picked this one for us to watch. Uh, so well done you. Uh, we'll see what we get next Pat year. Pat on the back. <laughs> yes. Uh, and for our guests, uh, Robert Woods and Katrina Johnson, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. And for if those I'm, of you at home. Hopefully I'm still alive after a week. <laughs> Don't you understand? She never sleeps. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> She's very much like Santa Claus in that sense. Oh, no, wait, no. He, see, he sees you when you're sleeping. It's very different. My apologies. Going home to an empty house. Oh. Do you want 
you want me to come and tap on your window at two in the morning? <laughs> at two in the morning. Yeah, no, oh I, I will be asleep because uh, I've got too many things to do. Uh, <laughs> but I can't do pranks. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us on this episode. Um, and for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Uh, as we've said, this was picked by you, the audience. It was uh, one of the films that was nominated over on our Patreon. If you search for us over at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast, then you can suggest uh, for upcoming film polls as well. Uh, We are not doing a traditional film poll in November because November is when our public vote is the runners up. We take all the films that didn't get picked over the year from our Patreon polls and they go into one big list. I believe it's about 29 films long this year. Is the ultimate runner-up. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate runner-up. So the Running Man. Uh, information for that will be uh, coming out on our Facebook page in the next few weeks. Uh, just search for us over at Facebook. Uh, look for the Cinema Catch-Up Club, and you can vote on that poll when it goes live. Uh, probably towards the end of October, start of November. And finally, uh, you can subscribe uh, if you don't want to die horribly in seven days. Uh, like, <laughs> subscribe, and leave a review. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, if you don't share this, uh, Robert Woods will climb out of your <laughs> podcast device and will strangle you with his long beard hair that hangs damp down near the front of him. I'm coming, and there's lasagna in there. <laughs> yes, so uh, <laughs> if you want to avoid that, by all means, That's find so us. so disgusting. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. That why I smell cheese. <laughs> yes. Uh, but that is all for this week. Uh, and we will leave you with the dulcet tones of Robert Woods's remix of Brian Cox's dialogue from The Ring. Until next time, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. I don't breathe anymore. I guess you wouldn't. Not after what happened. Do you know what this is? I think it's a message from your wife. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.